Do you know the phrase, the sun shines on the righteous? Yeah? Have we heard that phrase, that English phrase? Well, people commonly use this saying to indicate that those who prosper are good and those that don't prosper somehow don't deserve it. The sun shines on the righteous, but it doesn't shine on the unrighteous. Okay? But like so many of English phrases, this one actually comes from the Bible, um, but it is actually a very small part of one verse. And I want to share with you that complete verse tonight. It's not from our passage, it's from Matthew chapter 5, and the complete verse says, he, that's God, causes his son to rise on the good and the evil and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See the difference? This is completely different from our English shortened saying. The complete verse says that the sun shines and the rain rains on the good and the evil alike. The sun doesn't just shine on good people, and rain doesn't just rain on good people. Think back to your own experiences. Think of the group of people you know who are Christians and non-Christians. In both of these groups, there are those that just seem to be so fortunate that everything goes well for them. And in, again, in both these groups, there are people who have real trouble in their lives. There seems to be no reason why. But in fact, and I'm sure many of you know from your own experience, good things and bad things happen to good and bad alike. But why does God allow bad people to prosper and not punish them for their badness immediately? Well, if you're here today as somebody who doesn't know whether Christianity is something for you, then maybe this is something you've been pondering on for some time and need to resolve in which case, you are so welcome with us today. So, why does the bad seem to get away with being bad? In fact, more than getting away with it, often prospering. Well, actually, this is nothing new. Uh, about 700 years before Jesus was born, Habakkuk, the prophet, in his book, Habakkuk, I'm sure you've all read it, probably, probably today, uh, pleaded to God, over the injustice that he saw in society. He said these words, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not answer? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and confl conflict abounds. I love the way Habakkuk opens up completely honestly to God. When we feel rubbish, he wants us to open up. When we see injustice, let's spill our guts to God. Let's not hold back like Habakkuk did. Well, back in our passage from Matthew, back in Jesus' time, those listening to Jesus' words uh, in that first century Israel would have recognized a very similar situation in their occupied country with many flourishing under Roman occupation, like those Israelites looked down upon uh, who collected taxes for the Romans and benefited so considerably financially. Well, on Friday evening, I was traveling back from work, uh, from Richmond, down to Kingston, with a colleague, a work colleague called Costa. And uh, he asked me what I was up to this weekend. Now, he knows I'm training to be a curate, 
and I know that he goes to a Greek Orthodox church in London. So we started to talk about this parable that I was going to talk to about now. And he said that this situation was exactly what was happening in modern-day Greece today, that the powerful were becoming more and more corrupt and wealthy, while the poorer in society were now suffering. For those of us who've been to the Ukraine with church, we've seen the same thing there, where the corrupt flourish and the honest person's lot gets harder and harder. The first parable in our Bible reading today, the parable of the weeds, focuses on exactly these issues. Well, Jesus frequently talked and talked, taught and talks in parables, and often um, he doesn't explain them, leaving the listener to ponder on the meaning for themselves. But this one's different. We are privileged to hear Matthew's recounting of the explanation that he gave to the disciples in verse 36 to 43. Jesus wanted the disciples, and subsequently us, to be able to hear his explanation. He wants us to understand this clearly this evening. So let's look closely at the parable and Jesus' explanation in parallel. You'll find it helpful to have your Bibles open if you haven't already got so. Done so on page 978. That's Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 24. And we'll go on to verse 43. So Jesus is teaching that the kingdom of heaven is like this. A man, Jesus, sows good seed into the field, but the devil at night comes and sows evil fields in amongst the good. Now, a while later, both seeds grow into tall stalks. Now, one thing to notice here is the type of weeds talked about here in the Greek are very similar to wheat. They're those long, grassy-type weeds that look like grains of wheat, but only later you can tell the difference. Well, the servants do notice the difference between the wheat and the weeds as they're flourishing together. They ask, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, God answers, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. In the key verse, I think, in our passage, let both grow together until the harvest. God leaves both types to grow till the harvest time. Now the wheat represents those that are saved through Christ at the end of time. And the weeds, those people that won't be. Now it's the harvest I want us to now turn to. And there are three things I want us to look at about the harvest. And this is very briefly outlined in my handout. It's a very brief handout this time, with plenty of room for you to write yourself, if you like, or for you to completely ignore it. So three things about this harvest. The first one to note is that the harvest is necessary. The harvest is necessary. Although the language in verse 30 and 42 can sound difficult to our modern ears, these are the words of Jesus, and so we need to take them seriously. Jesus says, At that time I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned. And he adds in his explanation, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A day of judgment is needed, 
God is just, and justice must be done. Acts of injustice, evil, criminality, genocide, need to be judged. And don't we just cry out with our hearts when we see this happening in the world? The likes of Adolf Hitler, Pol Pot, Robert Mugabe, Kim Jong-un, Fred West, Jimmy Savile. These extreme and evil cases need to be judged. And Jesus is saying here that that will happen. But in fact, we should not just dwell on others. We too will be called to account for what God, what bad we have not done, or sorry, what bad we have done and what good we haven't. There will come a day when we will kneel at God's feet and answer to him. Now the beauty of the good news of Jesus is that if we have accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation, then God doesn't see us as weeds, but wheat, as pure, as sinless as Jesus himself, because we have accepted Jesus' payment for all of our sins when he died on the cross. But this has to be accepted, to be counted as wheat, as pure as Jesus. If we don't, then we'll stand there in our own merit to be judged as either wheat or weeds. To not be classed as weeds, we need to be completely without sin. This is impossible for us to achieve. So without the covering of Jesus, we will be all found wanting and will be classed as weeds and thrown into the fiery furnace. But, and this is a huge but, this isn't what Jesus wants. Hence, secondly, the harvest is delayed. The harvest isn't immediate. There is time. Imagine if, a, if the moment the weeds show their true nature, if we, when we sinned before we were Christians, God immediately let the servants come and pull us up and cast us into the fiery furnace. Imagine that. I'm not sure there'd be many of us left here in church right now. So the harvest is delayed to protect the wheat, to give us a chance to be found to be wheat, a chance to discover the truth of his gospel, to respond seeking his forgiveness and lordship. We follow such a patient God, a God who longs for all to know him. But as we see here, God is just and will judge, but he's also patient, giving people time to find him. I became a Christian when I was 16 in 1980, quickly. Um, I got into a fair share of scrapes before that as a teenager, and a few after that. But I'm so glad that he was patient with me, and now I am his. And I know that through no good of my own, that I will be found to be wheat on that day of harvest. My sure hope for this is not in me, but in Jesus and what he has done for me. And you can be too. Just look, if you will, at the verse just after our Bible reading. Look at verse 44 with me. This is one of my favorite Bible verses in the, it, one of my favorite Bible verses. I'll read it to you. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, 
and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. If you know what it's like to be Christ's, to know him, isn't that just what it feels like? That this is a treasure, so precious. Jesus brings purpose, family, love, friendship, and reason to life. Well, in two weeks' time, it's Guest Sunday, and I'm sure many of us will have uh, been wondering which friends and family we should invite. Which of our friends needs to hear his beautiful message? And it's not too late to ask them along. And if they say yes, then, as John explained, you can get free tickets at the end of this service for the events on Friday or Saturday, or just bring them along to the church services on Sunday. But if they say no, that's okay too. Don't worry about your friends saying no. As they say no, they'll need to think of the reason why they're saying no. And this in itself can start people thinking about God, bringing up in their mind, why am I saying no? Also, remember our passage. Who is the one sowing the good seed? Is it the servants? No, it's Jesus. So Jesus is responsible for people's journey, not us. But amazingly, he includes us in the process. We don't have to invite, we get to invite. God's spirit does not just work in church here. He works 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, in every house, every office, every school, everywhere, in every heart. Preparing people, prompting people, challenging people, inviting them to know more of Jesus. And God invites us to be just one small part of that, showing he loves that person by letting us ask the question, do you fancy coming to church with me? Well, the third and final thing that I want to talk about in terms of harvest is that the harvest is inescapable. It will happen. Evil will be judged. All wrongs will be put right. We have the God of the universe's word on that. The harvest is the end of the age, Jesus says, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of age. Just because God does not deal with evil right now in this world does not mean that he never will. Here we see that it is inescapable. It will happen, just not yet. Through his mercy, God is giving each of us time to know him, to be saved. So people will be called upon at the end of age to account for their actions. No one can avoid it. But notice when the servants ask, shall they uproot the weeds, God says no. And we, see, as we saw in verse 41 that at the end of the day, end of the times, at the harvest time, this task will be done by the angels, not us. God never expects us to judge. We are here to love others and be witnesses to what treasure it is to know Jesus as our friend and saviour. So if you're here wanting to find out more about Jesus, then don't be deceived. A time of judgment will come, and all will be judged. But use this time that you have been given to find out what this treasure is about, just how good it is to know Jesus. 
And for those of you that already know him, be encouraged in two ways. Firstly, that he is a patient God that wants more people to know him and in how we live and love and sometimes in what we say, we get to show others how thankful we are for his patience in us and his love for us. And then secondly, the encouragement of the last verse in our passage, verse 43. Look at it with me if you would. Jesus said, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let us pray.